So we're going to jump right into our message today. It's entitled, A Mother Called by God. And um, I wanted to, get, to begin with an illustration that probably is very familiar. How, how many of you are here this morning and you have children? You're kind of in this world right now. Three, four, five, six years old. You got that going on in your house. God bless you. I'm a little beyond that. You know, my car insurance is more now, but there's other things I don't have to deal with. But, um, but that's a fun age. It's, it's real exciting. But uh, there was a mom who put her son to bed on the eve of his fifth birthday. She was trying to communicate uh, that birthday idea to him and, and let him understand it. And so she said, uh, son, uh, this is the last night of your fourth night. Holding up her hand like this. For a full year, he had shown people four fingers to indicate the four years that he had been on this earth. And now he was ready to add a thumb. Seeing his four fingers, his, his mother nodded and said, When you go to sleep tonight, you're still going to be four years old. But do you know how old you're going to be in the morning when you wake up? And this little fella nodded enthusiastically and he added his thumb and he looked at his mom with all this excitement. And he said, yes, mommy, tomorrow morning I'm going to be a handful. <laughs> so to all you people with handfuls in your house, God bless you, mamas. For all the mothers, we just appreciate you so much. You know, it's a wonderful thing. That God's Word has so many messages for us. It's messages for moms, messages for dads, parents. There's all the guidance we'll ever need, we find, in Scripture. And today, we, we want to look at probably history's most famous, most influential mom. Can anybody guess who that might be? Mary, exactly. Um, God called her to task, just as He is calling you to task today as a mom and as a parent. So I want us to begin this morning by looking in Luke chapter 1. It's going to be on the screen, but if you want to turn there in your Bibles or your phone, you can do so as well. Um, this is right after Gabriel has come to Mary and told her that she's going to give birth to Jesus and carry him and all that good stuff. And in verse 34 it says, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And can I just give you a little aside right here? That's true of everything God promises us in His Word. There is no word from God that will ever fail in your life. Then Mary uh, said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, Mary was only a teenager when she was confronted with the, with, with the challenge of being completely submitted to God. When Gabriel gave her the angelic message that she was to carry Christ, 
Mary was stunned. I mean, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. But the key phrase, the key verse in this passage is verse 38. She said, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled in me. And here's what she was saying. God, if that's what you've called me to do, if that's what you want me to do, if that's what you have me here for, then I will do it. And it brings us to our first point today, if you're taking notes. And that is that a mother called by God submits completely to God's will. When you're called, and as a mother, you are called by God to what it is you're doing in motherhood. And Mary never wavered in her submission to God's will. Was she nervous? What do you think? Absolutely. I think any woman would be nervous. Was she unsure of her abilities? Who wouldn't be? Was she anxious about the prophecy? That part of her future that would include pain? Of course she was, but she trusted God. And she was like many mothers that are in this room here today. She was like the mother. Has this ever been you who sits up late past her bedtime awaiting for that date to be over? For their child to come in to the house. I didn't, I didn't share this earlier, but when you walked into my parents' house, there was a window, uh, and it looked into the kitchen and straight through the kitchen into the den. And there was one night I was in college, and I thought because I was in college and 20 years old, I didn't have a curfew anymore even though I was at home. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning when I got home. And I walked through the door, and I hadn't really been up to anything I shouldn't have been up to, but I just was out late. And I came home, and I thought, well, everybody will be in bed. It'll be good. You know, no worries. And I walked to the back door, and I looked in the window, because that was always the first thing we did, because that look in the window always prepared you for what you knew was going to come next. And there was a figure in the dark sitting on the fireplace with eyes that shone red. And I was afraid <laughs> to walk in the house. You moms have been there, right? And just like on that video. Uh, or maybe you're like the mom who's prayed the silent, heartfelt prayer as you watch your child, oh, dear Jesus, drive away from the house for the very first time by themselves, taking all those raw instincts into the streets of great danger and probably the thing most fearful about a 16 year old driving is what they're absolutely certain they know and what you know they don't um, or maybe a parent like one that's in this room who has wanted only the best only the most protection for her child and fully aware that life happens isn't that right that pain sometimes comes in life that disappointment will meet you and it won't always be pleasant but we have the assurance that God will always be there but Mary was unlike a lot of parents in the world today Mary was first of all completely committed to God she was so committed to God that she had no room for commitment to anything else it was God and it was her family and that was the level of her commitment and I would say looking at her example watching the life that she lives she is truly a woman worth imitating 
Which brings us to our second point. A mother called by God does not have to be perfect. Can I get an amen for that one? Okay. You are not perfect, but you are perfectly equipped by a loving God to care for your children. God uniquely designed me, in spite of my faults, to be the mother to Taylor, Kenzie, Drew, and Hunter. And by the way, Mackenzie, um, I just want to put your mind at ease that I will not be telling any embarrassing stories about you today. Um, Yeah, he doesn't make any promises, (laughs) so you can relax. Um, One of the great things about being a Christian is the promise in the Bible that all things work together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus, and that what Satan meant for evil, God means for good. Even when you blow it as a mother, he will work it for your good and for your child's good. And I'm going to give you a great example. Has anybody heard of Dr. Ben Carson? Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to read you a little story about him. Dr. Benjamin Carson, renowned surgeon at John Hopkins, tells a moving story about his mother, Mrs. Carson. Uh, Mrs. Carson insisted that Ben and his brother Curtis write a book report every couple of weeks. This wasn't for school. This was for their mom. Ben and Curtis dutifully obeyed. About the time he was in junior high, Ben finally realized something quite shocking. His mom couldn't read. For years, Ben had read books and scratched out reports, assuming that his mom was checking every word, but she didn't have a clue what he was writing. Now consider this. Raised by an illiterate mother, Ben grew up to be a world-famous surgeon who was featured in many articles and was the author of several books and a presidential nominee. His illiterate mom didn't twist her hands over her lack of learning and give up hope of raising intelligent boys. Instead, she gave her boys what she had, interest, accountability, and the courage to demand extra work. So moms, um, it, it doesn't matter what your shortcomings are. It doesn't matter what your failures are. It doesn't matter what you know. God has specifically equipped you to train up and teach your children. So Angie Grady, I'm going to look at you and say, God has specifically trained you and equipped you to teach your children what he has for, for them to learn. He didn't give that to me. He didn't give it to anybody else. Men caps, God specifically trained you and put in your heart exactly what your children need, and they're only going to be able to get it from you. And Deanne, same to you. God has specifically equipped you. And so let that be freeing. It's not that we have to be perfect, and it's not even in spite of our shortcomings, but through our shortcomings that he's able to do a mighty work because it's not through us, it's through him. And there's a lot of pressure, you know, to be perfect. And I think every woman in here, and guys don't get a big head now, but every woman in here would acknowledge we're not perfect, right? Yeah, most of you. Some of you don't. (laughs) Um, but, But women aren't perfect. Men aren't perfect. And we don't need to compare. We don't need to constantly look. Because I think there's a pressure there. Um... For moms and dads probably, but there's a pressure to live up to this thing. You know, we're going to look at in just a few minutes um, kind of a, a illustration of a superwoman in the Bible. But God doesn't have that expectation on us. And Mary wasn't even perfect. We look in John chapter 2. I want you to look at a, a very familiar passage of Scripture, but maybe something you never saw in this passage before. This is the account of Jesus turning water into wine. You remember that? You remember that, that account? It was His first miracle that He performed. It says, On the third day, 
A wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They don't have no more wine. And he looks at his mama. And what does he say in reply to they don't have any more wine? Now, I'm sure when Mary came to Jesus, she was looking around, noticed what was going on in the party and what they had and what they didn't have, and said, Honey, they ain't got no more wine. There's no more wine. And what does Jesus say to his mama? Y'all scared to say it, ain't you? <laughs> That's awesome. I ain't saying that. He said, Woman, I'm embellishing a little bit here. But why do you involve me? Jesus replied, the hour has not yet come. He said, woman, why do you involve me in all of this? Now, I'm going to give you guys two pieces of advice here this morning, okay? They always tell me I focus too much on this side of the room, so I'm going to look at you guys a minute. All right, sons especially, don't look at your mama today. And call her woman. Because I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how old you are. You might get popped in the face if you do that. <laughs> don't call her woman. That is not the way to begin that. But he said, he, he said, woman, my time has not yet come. And it, that brings us to the second thing. And that is the awkwardness of this situation. Jesus said, it's not time yet, mama. It's not time. But you have come to me and have noticed that all this wine is gone and we need more and so something's got to be done. So I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to honor you because you have said this is what I want you to do. And I love what his mom does. I love what Mary does in response to what he said right there. He said, my hour's not come. Why have you involved me? And we don't have it. But verse 5 says that Mary looks at the servants. And I love you moms for this. But Mary looks at the servants and said, just do what he tells you to do, okay? Everything he tells you to do, you do what he says. And so there's instruction that he gives on what to do and how to do it and all that kind of stuff. And so mom's just, I mean, she's getting it done, you know? She's making it happen. And... um. You know, a lot of times maybe moms jump the gun and they get too anxious or whatever. We make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes today. You're going to make mistakes tomorrow. But through it all, God will love you. He's going to work with you. He's going to accept you. Now, how many women that are sitting in here have ever read the Proverb 31 woman? Have you ever read that Proverb Maybe you've been to a funeral and heard that shared in a service about the Proverbs 31 woman. The author writes in 22 lines a proverb. It's really a poem, an acrostic poem about an imaginary woman. And the acrostic is in Hebrew, so we don't catch all of this, but... You know, the one thing about that woman that's probably true of all of you ladies is she was a woman that never slept and she always worked, okay? That was true of this woman. Uh, but she was also an entrepreneur. 
She ran a farm. She managed a staff. She sewed like a fashion expert, cooked, cleaned, homeschooled her children. She had a feast waiting for her husband whenever he arrived home from his job. Uh, that was much less demanding than her job, by the way. And uh, she had no need for a carpool um, because uh, she just put on her superwoman cape and she flew her children to and from to every appointment they needed to go to. Um, if we were to see this in English, what we can't see in Hebrew, perhaps, is what would be said uh, in that proverb. And that is, A would be for apple, the apple pie that she bakes. B is for the babies that she loves. C is for the cleaning of the house. All the way down to Z is for the zoo that she manages in her backyard. Those are all the things that this Proverb 31 woman does. And it helps us understand why we also read there that a wife like this, who can find her? Who can find a woman like that? I mean, who does that? You know, the Bible teaches, uh, or, or we hear people say about the Bible, that um, it really diminishes the value of women. You know, when you look at Ephesians 5, and... You read in Ephesians 5 where it tells... Do you know what it says in Ephesians 5 that women are to do to their husbands? Submit, right? And people read that and they see that and they think, man, that diminishes my value. I submit to no one. But we look in Proverbs 31 here and what does it teach us about women? They can do anything. They can do anything. There's nothing you can't do as a woman. You can do anything. So uh, that proverb is very, very clear in showing us that a woman's job uh, can be anything at all. And Kirsten, you recognized some things in this proverb, didn't you? Well, one of the things that I think is neat, if you look at the scripture that comes before the description of the Proverbs 31 woman, and then at the end, it really tells us what we're supposed to be doing. The Bible isn't saying that we have to meet all those criteria to be a godly woman, but let's first, let's look at verse 10 that begins her description. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. Our goal is not to do everything the Proverbs 31 woman does, but to be virtuous. And what makes her perfect or successful or virtuous is not the admirable list of accomplishments, but it's found in that last verse in the chapter. And that reads, Favor is deceptive and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. She's able to be a blessing to her family and her community because she fears God above man. God's not calling us to worldly perfection, but to obedience to him. Amen. Amen. So, you know, that's the calling that God has for you, not to be perfect, but to be submitted. And then lastly, we see John 19. If you look in John 19, verse 25, Jesus is on the cross. He has um, suffered... The, the guards have just cast lots for his clothing. And in this suffering, as he's on the cross, it says there's a picture of a mother who is there. And that mother is Mary. And she's the very first person mentioned at the cross. It says, near the cross, Jesus stood or near the cross of Jesus, rather, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. But his mama was there. And it leads us to understand that a mother's called, a mother 
is not called to be perfect, but once a mother, you're always a mother. You never relinquish the title. You are always in that role. No matter what place in life you are, you may have grown children. I look at Miss Grace Lutz here, who is just such an inspiration to me. I love you, Miss Grace. And, and just the woman that you are and the battle that you have fought physically. And I know that there are a lot of things that are uh, in your life that, that maybe, you know, you used to be able to do some things you can't do now. But God still got that calling on you to be that relentless mom and wife that you have always been. He's got purpose and plan for your life. And each and every one of you are the very same way. Your title has never been relinquished. Mary didn't stand stoically and passively by the foot of the cross as she were, uh, were ready to be made out of stained glass, but she crumbled at the cross down to the depths there moaning and wailing and begging the God of heaven to stop the hell that was going on in her life on earth. The truth of Simeon's prophecy at the birth of Jesus was suddenly true. The cross cut deeply into Mary's heart. Despite the pain, however, Mary was there. She didn't care who was looking at her. How do you feel like the tone and environment might have been at the foot of the cross that day? You think there were some angry people? You think there were some people that were yelling, I hate your son, I want him to die. He deserves everything he gets. And it would have been easy for her to be standoffish, wouldn't it? It would have been easy for her to stay back. But what did she do? She was right there under the foot of the cross with her son, weeping and mourning and praying and trusting and believing and knowing that the God who had called her to this place was going to call her to a place of resurrection. You'll find mothers like her in the halls of children's hospitals, in funeral homes, in counselors' offices, but you never relinquish the title of mom. Sometimes the most difficult decision a mother will ever make is right at the beginning of a child's life. They're, they continue to be that brave lot of young women who realize under the rarest of circumstances that the best gift they can give their child is the gift of adoption. All over the world, that painful giving up of a baby is a whole lot like the painful giving up of a son on the cross but even at that moment of giving up a mother's love dominates the scene it's sacrificial it is painful but it is a loving moment of care a mother who gives their children to a family patiently standing in a line of love and the woman that does that is a woman that needs to be applauded and loved and recognized because she has gotten to a place where she sees there's something I can't give this child that someone else can and there are a lot of families including the families some of them maybe even in this room today that have been made complete by someone making that decision okay. yeah. Amen. Amen um, and then I just wanted to take a minute to speak to women who are dealing with infertility. 
And uh, I know that we have several women in the congregation that deal with that. And I want to say to you that if you feel called to be a mother, that God is going to fulfill that calling. And it might be through what we've talked about here with uh, adoption, but also, he can heal your body, he can heal your husband's body, and he can make that a possibility. We, we read earlier about Elizabeth, and she was an old woman. You won't even have to be old. <laughs> um, but we're going to pray for y'all at the end of the service, um, and pray that God will... He- he'll heal you and that he'll bring that whatever way he chooses to bring that into your life and and we had talked about I know all of you probably know somebody you've heard about somebody that adopted a child and literally like a week later the wife became pregnant and a lot of times people say well that's because uh, they were more relaxed you know the the pressure was taken off and I think sometimes that might have something to do with it but I think sometimes God had a purpose and a plan and they wanted the child that they adopted specifically in that family and that wouldn't have happened. So we're going to pray for you today, if that's something that you're struggling with, that in his time that he's going to provide a child for you. Amen. Well, you know, we got all kinds of moms here today. We've got moms from uh, blended families. We've got moms who have adopted children. We've got moms with grown children. We've got every cross-section of mom there is. We've got awaiting mothers. We've got... Uh, small children who are one day going to be mamas. we got singles who feel such an important role in the lives of, of uh, those that they come in contact with. But there's one realization, there's one truth about every mother. When you become a mother, there's an instant realization that the day will almost certainly come when pain will dominate the picture. I remember watching our daughter at three years of age walk across the front yard so loving and trusting and open to everyone. And I knew when I I was watching her play, and I don't know why it hit me, but the thought came across my mind, somebody's going to break her heart one day. She's so accepting. She's so trusting. And when that little boy does that, I'm going to hurt him and break him in so many ways. I won't digress, but anyway. But pain comes. Crosses are different for every family. Some face disease, death, harsh words, unacceptable actions. Tough love may be necessary. Impossible nights are the ones that you may face. But through it all, mothers called by God never relinquish their title. Never. There is nothing like a mother's love. See, Mary had a chance, and this is unusual, not every mother gets to do this, but Mary had a chance to see God's entire plan play out. She suffered through the crucifixion, celebrated the resurrection, and even was part of the small group that witnessed the powerful presentation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts 1. What a gift from God to live long enough for parenting to make sense. Are you praying for that day? I'm praying for that. There's some days where I'm just like, I hope my kids don't know how little I know here, you know. But what a gift. Some see God's uh, plan working in their lives and their grandchildren. Some see it working in the lives of their children. And some 
may only see God's plan play out in the halls of heaven. Wherever you are today, God's got a purpose. He's got a plan. You know, there are those here today who have had to do the most unnatural thing in this life. And that is to bury a child. To say farewell to a child far too early. Maybe it was a, a stillborn birth or, or maybe your child was older. Whatever the case may be, the title of mother never ceases. It never ends. You are always a mom. And I want to tell the moms that are in that place in their life today, we will never forget. We will never forget. And we look forward to that great and glorious reunion day. Now I want to end sort of like the way I began today. And that is with something kind of funny from Family Circus comic strip. Anybody ever read Family Circus? Ever read that? The kids are there discussing babies one day. One of the young experts says, Storks don't bring babies. They come UPS. Some of the other children had different ideas, but the best was saved for last. Babies, said one of the kids, are connected to their mothers by biblical cords. Every idea from this message is from the Bible today. Every thought we've shared is from God's Word. There are so many solid principles for parenting in the Bible, and no parent can afford not to know them. Our prayer is that it's your goal to be a godly parent, to be a godly mom. So be sure to be immersed in God's Word, fully committed to the calling that He has given you in your life. And I know sometimes moms... It feels like the most thankful endeavor that you ever embark upon. You know, the, from the dirty diapers to the rocks in the pockets to, you know, paint on the wall to whatever else the children may do. The countless frogs that are brought home and have to be housed in little boxes and just the stuff that the kids get into and it seems so just thankless. I want you to know something this morning. God sees what you're doing. He sees the impact of your life. And your family recognizes more than they might acknowledge. But I promise you that they see it. So our prayer for you is that you will be a mother who is fully committed to God's call on your life. And my challenge to the families that are here supporting mom today is that you will be an encourager to her. That you will remind her of how important she is, how precious she is to you and to your life, and how much you love her. So would you stand with me today, and if you're with your mom, just grab her by the hand, or with your family, and just uh, let them know that you're here, that you love them, that you care for them. And we're going to pray over mom today. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray?